Oh dear, here comes another one. This is a bonus episode. Bonus, bonus, bonus. Welcome to the bonus episode of Streamed and Screened. Uh, normally we have Bruce and Jared on, uh, but this time it's just going to be me, Chris Lay, the one of the co-hosts, and talking with my mother, Diane Wise. Hello. Who lives in South Carolina. <laughs> what, would you, what is your, uh, your job title? I guess. I don't know if that's... <laughs> well, I would say probably artist, uh, social media designer raconteur entrepreneur uh creator thought of, leader of whatever i can think of to make and possibly sell and i take care of my mom who's 91 yeah, my grandmother that's right and i wanted to have you on because on the show bruce jared and myself we've been talking a lot about the sandman the new Netflix show that came out a week ago that is based on a comic book by Neil Gaiman. And this is a comic book that I think I've probably read it all 70 plus issues at least three times, maybe four, I think. And it's not something that I necessarily would have recommended to you as a comic book at the time, because I don't, I don't think I was really recommending comics to my mom a lot. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in high school. <laughs> uh, but it's a show that you watched, and I am intrigued. I've been, anytime like I, I read a book or, you know, a series of comics, like the Marvel movies are all very much like this. I almost, I, I want to go into these things with someone who doesn't have any basis of understanding and then talk with them about it. Just to like, I, I wish I could do that with everything, you know, where like if, if I know the foundational text of something so I can get the other perspective and you are able to provide that perspective because you, I think last Friday or Saturday, <laughs> you just texted me Sandman. <laughs> I don't think there was any punctuation. It was just Sandman <laughs> with the expectation that that would be enough to pique my interest. <laughs> I actually remember, was it, were you in high school when the first one came out? The first Sandman comic book? Yes. The Sandman comic started in 86 or 87, I think. And it ran into like the early, early 90s as a issue to issue, month to month publication. And it wasn't really until the mid to late 90s that comics companies started republishing things in bound volumes because they were worried that they right. were going right. to undercut the the secondary market. I can't remember when it was that I remember you mentioning it to me and that you really liked it. So when I first heard that it was coming out and I saw it, I thought, oh, this has got to be what Chris was telling me about. Really didn't know that much about it, but it looked interesting. And so I thought, well, I'll, I'll give it a try. And of course, got hooked pretty quickly. And, if, and I think you probably know anything where people speak it with a British accent. <laughs> always, <laughs> it's always something that I love. But um, I thought, well, it'd be kind of cool to be able to talk to you about it and see what it was all about from a 
reader perspective, I never fully understood the ability to read a graphic novel like a comic book series. I grew up reading comics in a newspaper, but they were short. And I never, I never really had the desire to delve into reading, you know, frame by frame by frame. But I could appreciate that you did. And of course, I could appreciate the graphics from the artistic standpoint. So I thought, well, I'll give it a try. And I got hooked pretty quickly. I love fantasy. I like being entertained intelligently. So from the beginning, you know, I wanted to know more. And I, I thought the whole storyline about him being captive and then having to try to get back his three main tools or his parts of his being that helped him be, be who he was, 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 you know, a good storyline. So, and I loved the other characters that were brought in, uh, like his accountant, you know, I just thought they seemed very, I don't want to say cartoonish, like Are you talking about the, the accountant or the, the librarian librarian. Lu I'm Lucian. Sorry, yeah. Lucian. Yes. Yes. But I also like the fact that even though it was deep and dark in some spots, there was some comedic interludes, you know, where Matthew, I love the Raven, Matthew. Of course, I, I love him as an actor and a comedian, but Pat Oswalt, yeah. that character and the animation was really, really good. I liked that it went back into history and that it was also in the modern world. I loved the scenery and the the special effects. And from the beginning, I did not feel that I needed to know what it was about to get into it. I felt like it captured me pretty quickly and I was able to follow along. You know, some of the episodes were a little strange and you kind of waited to see how it was all going to come together at the end. But I think in some ways it was probably easier to not have an expectation of what it was going to be like and just enjoy it for what it was for the storytelling versus somebody who is so passionate about the storytelling and then gets all riled up because they'd done a poor job on the actual film or series. But from what I understand, most people seem to be pretty happy with how it was portrayed and want to see more. So you know, and I, I just like to be able to talk about things with you and have something that we can, <laughs> you know, share an interest in. And I don't, I appreciate that, you know, you don't come at me like, well, you don't understand. You don't know about this, that, that, that. but it's fine. You know, I'm just entertained. Oh, of course not. I mean, this is something where, and I mean, especially I think with comic books, I've always tried my absolute best to not be snooty about it. I think, you know, I definitely drifted more towards the you know mouse by art spiegelman the you know like the much more i don't know I, I feel like to to elevate one is to do a disservice to another but well i think it's more like that you know you expect a marvel or a dc comic book that's about superheroes for them to have a certain look but i i always liked it when some of the ones that you showed me or that you asked for for christmas so i had to go and <laughs> look at it or look for it you know that the illustrations and the drawings were all very different you know it, it was, it's not like there was one single style that everybody had to have and i could appreciate that and of course i've always been in awe of comic artists or any kind of graphic 
artists that can take a character and carry that same character through over and over and over again with ex different expressions and different scenes where, you know, hey, I could draw it one time, but then don't ask me to draw it in the next frame and have it look the same. But, um, but I, I really enjoyed um, watching it. I thought it was very well done. Like I said, it, it kept my interest through. I, I think I've pretty much finished it in two days in between everything else. I think I did about the same. It was like two or three sittings, but it seemed like it was a a very faithful translation in a tremendous amount of ways. And the the main absence, really, I think, was the in in the first couple of issues. Uh, oh, and so like like that first um, the everything that happens to him with him being captured the the entire tale of the the burgess the 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 satanist the whatever the you know i don't know right you know trying to capture death and everything up to and including sandman morpheus escaping that's entirely in the first issue like all of that story is just in wow. 24 pages that's a, that's a lot yeah so the the economy to kind of get all of that out there the other you know, one-to-one -one, like episode to issue translation was the episode that was set entirely in that diner. Yeah. The diner yeah. scene. Yeah. Which I was really good, but definitely I feel like it kind of dragged. <laughs> well, little, you know, it's a little, little, you knew there was, there was going to be a connection somehow. And I love David Thewlis. I think that's his name. He's, I always enjoy watching him. And so I was intrigued with what was going to happen. But again, it was like you kind of go episode, episode, and then all of a sudden, what? What's this about? You know, <laughs> yeah. but at the same time, you know, I just I just go with it and see what happens. Cause again, it was it was well done and interesting. There's a handful of of Sandman stories as well as other stuff that that Neil Gaiman has done with an artist named Charles Vess. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you know of, but he's someone who I think that you're going to really, really like when they get to his episodes telling the story. Like when they're in the bar with Hob Gadling, which is one of my favorite characters, the the guy who's just like, ah, death's a fool's game. Like there's no, yeah. you know, like I can, who, who, who wants to die? People just do it because everybody else does it. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the arc there where even, you know, he is a, a you know, brought so low. And then it's like, so are you, do you, do you want to die? And he's just like, oh, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, and, and, you know, comes back and it's like, oh, he's invested in, uh, you know, bookmaking or whatever. And then there are a handful of lines that were just so good that they just kind of had to get taken directly from the comic. And that one of them is, you know, when the Sandman says, you know, to, to enslave another person is uh, very, very low. <laughs> I can't remember yeah, the exact right. wording, but like just the like I remember it's it's a direct you know translation from the from the comic, and it seems like like they're really nailing the character of Dream, who is very petty. I mean, like they're not going out of their way to make him a a likable character because in the comic he's not, <laughs> like he really isn't. He's someone who is emotionally uh, mercurial. He is, and I mean this is you know, whatever spoilers for the, you know, later in the series, but, you know, when he, and one of the characters, you know, comments on it, when he, he takes that lady's baby, <laughs> you know, and 
you know, basically doesn't like explain anything and just like, bye. And it's like, you can't, you can't just do that. <laughs> you can't, yeah. like, you have to, you know, have some semblance of, of compassion. And to him, it's just, you know, you, you don't, it's not that it's, it's not necessary. There's just, there's no, it's, it's not in his vocabulary in, in that way. But over the course of the series of the comics, you get to see a really interesting transition. And one of the things I really like is knowing how some of the later plot lines are going to take shape and already seeing some of the seeds being planted. Mm -hmm. So it's a show in the same way with the comics where it's like, once you, um, and, and I, I don't know, it's, it's such a rich text. I mean, there's just so many things in there, so many references, so much history, future, past, uh, you know, these really wild concepts that are, you know, just being anthropomorphized. And I'm not really sure, I guess, how much he knew completely going in, you know, he was going to be pulling threads together, but, mm -hmm. but there's definitely stuff that's in there that has yet to be done. Yeah. I really liked the, the portrayal of Lucifer because that, that's another uh, pretty direct translation from the comic is this um, very boyish. I mean, he's a, you know, fallen angel, you know, so he has that, you know, a very angelic, you know, vibe to mm -hmm. him. Yeah. I thought their, their choice to battle that that was pretty interesting because I'm thinking, you know, somebody's got to be more powerful and I would have thought Lucifer was, but, and yeah, that was a good character. Mm -hmm. I didn't really understand some of the supporting people around him, but for her, whoever, what it. <laughs> Did you notice the ratio difference in the the filming, how they skewed the the ratio instead of being to they say to make it appear more dreamlike? I picked up on it a little bit. The main thing that I got was just a real inconsistency with the lenses. I mean, purposefully so with the edges, you know, having that, uh, I don't know what the effect is called, you know, but I mean, it's very like, you know, wide angle thing where it's like stuff that's up close is very focused, but then you kind of get this yeah, little curvature on the edges and everything just kind of, you know, spreads a little bit. And I get that as, as an aesthetic choice because it's, it's difficult to make something be dreamlike without falling into some cliche, you know, without, you know, bringing on, you know, David Lynch as your. <laughs> I personally didn't notice it. I mean, I thought he, he was thin, but <laughs> it's kind of like when you walk into those mirrors and you're like, Hey, this one makes me look thin. I'll take it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I thought it was kind of a crazy thing for people to be upset about myself. <laughs> I mean, there is a certain, you know, with comic book nerds, like people want to get upset about something. And it's also coverage of it is just going to be, oh, what are the, like the one thing that they're upset about? Let's, yeah, you know, make articles about that. That'll then perpetuate the thing and then create that much more. It just becomes this cycle pushing those things. And it's not something that needs to be fixed. I don't think, <laughs> you know, it's, and it wasn't something that I bumped up against, but I'm really chill about adaptations. Something like this, even though I am very, very close to the source material, even if this was a bad adaptation, it is still something that I would have 
seen through, if only just from a creative standpoint, wanted to find out what the decisions they made and be like, you know, why did they do this? Why did they do this? Because there's, when I was going into this, it's, there are a thousand ways that they could have made a bad version of this as an adaptation. And there's only a handful of ways that they could have done it good, done it in a way that was fulfilling. And it didn't necessarily push boundaries as far as adaptations go, but it did the the work, did the job. I think they, they did a good job of casting. Yes. Like I said, I haven't read it, but I felt like the characters seemed, you know, suited for who they were supposed to be. So I didn't like the the red lips on Dream quite as much. <laughs> seemed like a lot of lipstick, but... Yeah. <laughs> It is interesting. The casting is probably the most significant changes or represents some of the most significant aesthetic changes. Death in the comic is a, you know, very pale skinned goth chick, basically. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to have her as a person of color in, in the show is, but it's like, I mean, you can cast whoever, I mean, it's like, these are, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it, these are, abstract concepts walking amongst us you it doesn't have to be this one-to-one ratio of you know what what was in the in the books and the fact that it was you know what number one on netflix over the weekend i think it's still number one worldwide yeah Yeah. and a good percentage of those people are probably people that have don't know anything about the comics so or the novel so the series anyway i i just think you know it's good entertainment yeah and very thought-provoking. What do you think about adaptations in general? Do you remember one of the first times that there was something that you felt close to that was adapted? And I don't, you can certainly go back past that or past what I'm about to throw out, but um, The Hobbit and the, all of those Lord of the Rings, you know, books were a oh, huge they, thing. I remember going to see the theater. Yeah. The Lord of the Rings was the first series of stories where we actually had gone on a trip and I had taken the first book thinking, you know, okay, I may finish it. I may not. Well, of course I finished it pretty quickly. And then I was like, okay, we have to go home now because I have to read the second book. And of course, nobody really understood that it was that important, but I was like, I had to see it. Um, But in that instance, not so much in The Hobbit because, um, you know, Lord of the Rings came out first, but, you know, honestly, it's been a long time since I've read them. Okay. But they just blew me away. I mean, the details and the attention that was paid to how things looked and the feel of that time and, and the people or the characters that live there. I mean, it just... I was not disappointed at all. I've always been one I would prefer to read the book before I see the movie, because I think sometimes you're going to gain more from the book. You just can, you know, there's more space for detail and uh, descriptions to be built into it and character to be built up. In conversations that uh, Jared and Bruce and I have had in earlier episodes of the podcast, we've talked about adaptations. We've talked about like the best adaptations, the, like the real high watermarks are ones that 
almost work in conversation with the original works and you know either to the <laughs> to the author's pleasure uh in in the sense of something like 2001 the space mm -hmm. odyssey which right. arthur c clark wrote the book um and and i know he worked very closely with kubrick to put the whole thing together but i mean the first 20 minutes of that film with the the primates monkeys yeah in the book they have interior dialogue i mean they are talking to they, they have names they have right like all of that has a narrative drive which is much more clear you know for for better or worse i mean it's a I, in, in the film it's like we don't need that so just make it the visual or something like the shining where i mean another kubrick film where stephen king has pretty much disowned that <laughs> the film because the the adaptation stripped away so many aspects of the book that mm -hmm. you know stephen king was very personally connected to as the the generative person and i don't i don't know if the same man necessarily lives up to, to either of those but it's it works maybe it's a little looser when you're talking about characters that have been created and that aren't real people maybe it's a little bit easier to be creative and have you know take some liberties with that whereas a lot of times in a book where you you're deeply well okay one of the ones that just came to me is um lee child jack reacher jack reacher okay <laughs> i'm i'm a big jack reacher fan so when they first cast Tom Cruise, I was like, mm -mm, no, 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 not going to work. Of course, I went to see it and it was okay. You know, after a while, you, you somehow, again, you know, I was entertained, but was that who I would have picked? And then later on, you know, there was a series, Jack Reacher, and I felt like the guy that played that part was more like somebody that I would have picked for Jack Reacher, but even he wasn't perfect. So you're never, no matter what, you're they're never gonna match your mental image of who it is you've created in your mind when you read those books. Yeah. Not gonna happen. You know, it's it's a tough thing to do just in general. Well, this is just having a nice conversation with my son. I told you it was just gonna be a nice little chat. Yeah. So this has been a, the bonus episode of Streamed and Screamed with me, Chris Lay, talking with my mother, Diane Wise. Hello. Hello. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week with more stuff. You can find links to all the things that we talked about in the, uh, in the show notes and etc. Sandman is on Netflix. Number one show worldwide, I believe, still for them. And... Thank you to my mother. You're welcome. For so many things, much less. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> recording an episode of a podcast is certainly the least <laughs> on that list, but uh, I love you. Love you too. All right. Bye. Bye. I just watched uh, 13 Lives. Knew nothing about it. The whole twist at the end with the aliens is really out of left field, right? <laughs> <laughs>